Well, um, today we're celebrating moms. And um, while uh, it's a day that is full of gratitude and joy, um, I just want to right up front just acknowledge the fact that it's not necessarily a day of joy for everybody in the room. Um, I know there are some of you that have struggled with fertility issues and you desperately want to be a mom and that hasn't yet happened. And I know that today is a, is a hard day if that's you. And I also know there's some of you that even very recently have lost your mom. Um, and, and today's a hard day. It's a day of, of gratitude and a day of cherishing, but not necessarily a day of joy. And we just want to make sure and just acknowledge the fact that, that while today is a day of celebration, it, it can also be a day that just isn't, isn't that fun for everybody in the room. And I want to acknowledge that because I don't want you to feel left out if that's you and feel like everybody else is somewhere that you're not. Um, we understand and, and we feel the loss that you feel along with you. Um, and, and with that in mind, I just want to pray over us before we jump into the rest of the day. Um, dear Jesus, I thank you for a day, a whole day to just celebrate some of the most Im important people in our lives, and that is our mothers. Um, Lord, I pray right now for those moms in the room, I just pray that you just give them a shot of joy and, and peace um, and, and uh, courage uh, as, they, as they hear the message today and are a part of it. Lord, for those in the room right now that just this day actually brings a, a twinge of pain, this day actually brings a, a sense of loss, Lord, I pray that you would just bring peace into that situation too and maybe even joy because only you can bring joy to some of the difficulties we have in life. And so I pray that over all of us in this room. And Lord, I just pray that today we would hear exactly what you need us to hear as you have a message for each one of us individually, even those of us that aren't moms in the room, you still want to speak to us over the next few minutes. So Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we may hear your voice clearly, and that we may respond to, the, to your voice as we hear it. In your holy name, amen. All right, so we got to do one, one, one more thing before we, we move on, and that is this. Um, you need to stand up if you are a mom in this room, and the rest of us need to really show them how we feel. So moms, please stand. Moms, get up off your feet. Get up off your rears and stand up. Let's go. Stand up. You guys rock. Wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop, stop. This is not a golf tournament, people. These are moms standing up. Can we treat them and show them how much we love them? Way to go, mom. Let's give it up for them. That's better. That's better. Oh, that's the way you ought to be. Okay. Uh, you guys can go ahead and have a seat. I'm not going to ask you to stand up again. Um, but, uh, but I do want to say this. Um, you, when you sat down, you sat down on this, this little devotional book. Um, we want to do everything and anything we can to help you regularly uh, dive into God's word and hear his voice. This is an incredible way. This is our gift to you. June, July, August, every single day you can spend three to five minutes in God's word. And I guarantee you it will have impact um, uh, for you and on you and in your life and the people around you. So I wanted to make sure I said that. But um, I want to I open with uh, a quick show of hands. How many of you know who this man is? How many of you know who this is? Just raise your hand if you recognize this guy. Okay, there's a few of you. Some of you are going, oh, yeah. Well, uh, if you don't know his name, his name is Professor Robert Kelly. He's an expert on South Korean politics. A vast majority of people did not know who he was until March 10th of last year. And what happened on that day is he appeared on the BBC to talk live, do a live interview about the uh, potential uh, uh, impeachment of the South Korean president. And as he was talking live TV, his two kids decide they want to be on live TV too. And I want to show you that interview. This is it. 
scandals happen all the time. The question is, how do democracies respond to those scandals? Uh, and what will it mean for, uh, for the wider region? I think one of your children has just walked in. I mean, shift, shifting, shifting sands in the region, do you think relations with the North may change? Um, I would be surprised if they do. The, um, pardon me. Pardon me. My apologies. <laughs> What is this going to be for the region? My apologies. North, uh, sorry. Um, North Korea, North, uh, South Korea's policy choices on North Korea have been severely limited in the last six months to a year. Uh, how, how many of you remember seeing that? You guys remember seeing that? Oh my gosh, that actually happened on live TV, immediately went viral. The BBC said it, got, it was seen 100 million times in a week when that came out. And as a result, Robert Kelly and his family, they actually became like internet sensations. And I actually have seen them interviewed multiple times on other news networks about that. But here's what's so great about that video. When his kids came into the room, I think he responded like almost every one of us dads would have responded, wouldn't it? Oh my gosh, get out of here, kids, right? Just, he didn't even look at him, ding dong, just went bam, knocked the kid into the table, and the table fell over. He was so embarrassed, he's closing his eyes. He can't even talk. Did you see that? He can't even talk because he's so embarrassed while his wife gets the kids and his wife's entrance. It was like Kramer, like Kramer, right? It was like, she's like, boom, hey, I'm here, you know? It was awesome. Um, but, but here's what I couldn't help wonder. Um, what would it have been like if that analyst would have been a mom? If it would have been the mom in there? And you know what's great about it? Is we don't have to wonder, actually, we can actually see what that would have looked like. Take a look at this. The question now is how do people respond to their scandals? For the wider region, I think one of your children's just walked in, but I mean, shifting shifting sands in the region, do you think relations with the North may change? Um, it's unclear at the moment what effect former President Gunhae's impeachment will have on the territories. Unfortunately, discontent in South Korea is not only related to President Gunhae's administration. <laughs> okay. This is a major embarrassment uh, for South Korea, who often criticizes the North of corruption, right. and who now find themselves in the middle of a massive corruption case themselves. Sorry, you do look rather busy there. We can reschedule this. President Gunhae is no. very likely to face jail time, too. Okay. I would argue, in an attempt to make an example of her. Right, so what does this all mean for the future of South Korea? So, the future of South Korea really hangs in the balance. Oh my God, is that a bomb? <laughs> And it'll be Goodness interesting me. to see how the North reacts to this new shift in power. Indeed. Well, this certainly has been... Uh, sorry, your... your husband is... I anticipate there'll be more to come from this region in the next few months. Kate Wordsworth, you're obviously busy. Thank you so much for your time. All right, let's find this sock then. <laughs> Isn't that about right? Isn't that about right? I'm telling you, man. Yeah, let's give that up. You could give that up. That was fun. Um, I'll just tell you... That mom was perfect in that video. All those things going on around her, what is she cool, calm, and collected? Isn't that moms? They can have 20 different things going on, and they're just getting it done while they're doing something else. Guys, we have a hard time doing more than one or two things at once. Moms, you guys are incredible. You can do 10 things at once and still find a way to be kind and loving and caring towards your kids. Um, and I'll just tell you, I am in awe of my wife. Um, I have watched her parent for 16 years, and I always say, um, we have four minors in the house, but she has has five kids to take care of in our house, me being one of them. Um, but, uh, you know, when it comes to, to moms, the expectations are high, aren't they?
Like that, what, what's expected of you as a culture, um, we have some high expectations of you to be looking your best all the time, to have some type of career, keep the house clean, raise kids, um, keep them clean too, have a good attitude, raise kids with, with good manners, never stop serving and taking care of all the things around the house. And, and, you know, watching my wife over the past 16 years has been unbelievable um, to watch what she does, yet still we talk and she feels like a failure so often. It's shocking to me because I don't see her as that. But just as, early, as, as recent as Thursday night, we are standing there and the kids are supposedly in bed, but they're all like knocking around up there. We know they're not asleep and that's frustrating at times, but, but they're all upstairs and she's just leaning up against this, this uh, kind of half wall we have in our house and I'm sitting on the couch and, and we just kind of lock eyes for a moment and she just looks at me and she had been beaten up all day and just was feeling discouraged like she didn't do a good job that day like she often feels and she just looks at me and she looks at my eyes and she just says, I'm a mess. And I'm like, you know, when your wife says that to you, um, how you respond is really important. And the, the hard part with, with me is like my worldview, the way I see the world is, is honestly, I believe we're all messes. I think we're all, um, we all have our dysfunctions and our problems and our issues. And so when she said that, um, I waited a couple heartbeats as I just was kind of processing what to say. And I just looked at her in the eyes. We never, never left eyes locked. And I just looked at her. I said, you may be a mess but you're a beautiful one. And then I said, because you're our mess and we're yours. That's the reality of family, isn't it? We're all messes. And oftentimes we feel like it. And I got to tell you, um, my wife feels like a mess more than she ought because she's incredible. And so many of you moms are, and you don't feel like it. And so I really want to speak into today and flesh out an idea, a truth that I hope will infiltrate your thinking as a mom. I, I really hope that, that, that this will seep its way into your mind and into your heart, into your bones, and maybe even impact your soul with the reality of it. And it's a truth that I believe is, is from God to you, and here's my hope for today, and you just need to know what I pray on a regular basis on Sunday mornings. I really pray that from the time that words come out of my mouth and go through this sound system, which you're almost hearing them in real time, right? Sound travels that quickly. I pray regularly that God will take my words, and as they work their way through this sound system, somehow he will take my words and change them just enough uniquely for every single person in the room so that what they hear is not my words but his. And I trust him to do that. I trust him to do that on a regular basis because I have a, a, people regularly come and you were talking right to me, and I'm like, no, no, it's him. It's just got a little time in the sound system, and it comes out, and it's for you. But my hope this morning is that, that, that you moms, and really all of us, but I want to um, specifically key in on moms, but this message is true for every single person in the room. My hope is that you hear this from, from God to you, not from me to you, not from church to you, but literally from God's heart to your heart. And the first truth I want to share is this idea um, and this truth um, that when it comes to being a mom to your specific kids, you need to hear this, God chose you. 
God chose you. And it wasn't like, um, it wasn't like middle school PE kickball and it's down to you and Timmy and Timmy smells and never takes a shower so you get picked. It wasn't like that. We're down into the, the bottom of the barrel so let's go with this one. It literally is a God had some kids that he needed a mom for and he looked around throughout the entire earth and he chose you to be the mom to your kids. Because you were the best option for them. You were his choice. You need to hear that today because so often you don't feel that way. Out of all the moms that your kids could have gotten, God chose you to be their mother. And he doesn't make mistakes. He chose you to, 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 to wipe the dirty rears and snotty noses of your kids. Like, that's you. He's like, I need someone to do this job. This is the person for the job. For the skin knees and the tear-stained fa- tear faces of your children, God chose you to comfort them. For the endless questions and relentless inquiries, God chose you to answer them. For the hours of homework and science fair projects, God chose you to assist them. For the needs of their heart that only a mother can fill, God chose you to pour into them. For the travel soccer teams and the after-school clubs, God chose you to Uber them for free. Um, for the worries of life and the challenges of teenagers, God chose you to give wisdom to them for raising warriors that will change the world for Christ. God chose you to launch them. Now, how do I know that's true? Because I believe wholeheartedly what the Bible says to us in so many places in Scripture that I've picked two. One is Ephesians 2.10. It's kind of the genesis of today, kind of the theme of it, is this. For we are God's masterpiece. And moms, I want you to hear, for you are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God created you and stepped back and he said, she's perfect. Just like I dreamed up. And not only a masterpiece in your creation, but also a masterpiece in the plan that he's had for you from long ago. Always love this passage from Jeremiah 1. God's speaking to Jeremiah, but he's also speaking to all of us where he says, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. A prophet to the nations, that's what I had in mind for you. And there's this idea in scripture that God, before we are even born, not only knows us, but he has holy plans for us. And I'll just tell you, on a day like Mother's Day, You need to know that those holy plans that God had for you long ago are plans to raise your kids. And they are holy plans. They are divine. It's a divine appointment that you have the children that you have. And so with that idea in mind, I want to give you three phrases for today. I want to give you three phrases that I hope you hear from God. Not only did God choose you, but I think he wants to speak to you, speak to all of us. Again, this is one of those messages where I believe God would say all three three of these phrases to each one of us, but we're keying in on moms today. I want you to hear these from the heart of God to you, from the heart of Jesus to you. Maybe even if you visualize in your mind and you have a relationship with Jesus, because I know that not everybody in the room does, but if you have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you even picture him sitting across the table um, from you with a a cup of coffee in his hand. He might say these three phrases to you. Um, And the first one is this, from his heart to you. I believe that if Jesus were sitting at a table having coffee with you, I think one of the first things he would say to you is, I see you. I see you. Right where you are. I see you right where you are. I think another way that God might say that is, I notice the little things. 
because there's so much that you do that nobody else sees. But he does. He sees it all. He sees every moment, every tear, every worry, every dream, every thought, all the work that goes on behind the scenes that nobody knows about. God sees you right where you are. And, and I'll just tell you, you know, I never realized all that goes into being a mom. And I, I'm one of those guys, I always think things are easier than they are. Like, that's just the way I'm wired up. I'm a, like, eternal optimist. Um, Melissa, she works part-time from home. And uh, about five years ago, six years ago, she started traveling um, uh, six to eight times a year. She would go away for like two to three days out of the week. And, um, and, uh, and I did never forget the first time she left because she's like, hey, you know, you're going to have to take care of the kids while I'm gone. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, I can do that for a couple of days, no sweat, right? Like, big deal, you know, a couple of days. She does it, I can do it. You know, that's what I'm thinking along with all the other stuff I got to do. Um, I just had no idea what I was getting into until she started telling me the day-to-day, right? She's like, okay, this is what you need to know. And I'm like going, okay, I'm just going to think about it. I'm not going to write any of this down. Um, but uh, I will tell you this. After she talked to me, I actually went and wrote down what she said because the way she said I'm like, I've got to capture this because I'll, then I'll tell you what happened to me while she was speaking. But this is what she did. She started telling me about all the stuff she does in one day just for making lunches for our kids. She says, okay, this is what I usually give them. I give them a sandwich and a snack and a vegetable and a dessert. And I'm like, okay, no big deal. I can do that. And then she goes on. She's not done. She's like, Garrett likes chips. Travis likes cookies. Don't give Travis peppers if you do they'll come back in his lunchbox. Savannah gets carrots. Avery prefers celery over carrots, which I thought gross. Um, If you want to give them a special treat, give them an oatmeal cream pie, not peanut butter cookies. Garrett's snack goes in his lunch bag. Travis goes in his backpack. I try not to give them the same thing every day. And after about 60 seconds, I literally saw her mouth moving and I did not hear another word that was coming out of her mouth. Because I'm like, you already, after three things, you already lost me. I'm done. I'm not following anymore. And then I remember thinking, while she's talking and I'm not listening because I can't hear anymore in the back of my mind, I'm going, isn't it like a buck 80 at school for lunches? Like this, it's like I'm doing the math going, this is like under 10 bucks a day. I can have this taken care of, you know, and I don't have to worry about it. And, and then it was like a lightning bolt. I think God stepped into that moment and gave me the idea of what happens every single time Melissa goes out of town. This is how I handle school lunches for all four of my kids. I literally say to them, and they now know this. I don't even have to tell them. I just say this, hey, kids, for lunch, make your own. I don't care what's in it. I don't even tell me about it. I don't need to know what's in it. All I want you to do is come home with your lunch bag empty because I don't want you complaining to me because if you complain to me, all I'm going to say is you did it to yourself. So that's what I did. That's what I've done for four years now. And my kids know I don't care what goes in their lunch. You could put all candy in there. I could give a rip. I just want you to leave and come back with it empty so I feel like I did something. And that's what they do. And you know what? Believe it or not, they actually make good lunches for themselves. I'm always shocked. Um, but, But you know, it was one of those things where when I started realizing what she did, because after that, she started going into the homework routine, and I'm just like, you, I can't do this. Like, how do you do this every day? Um, it's one of those things where it's like, I had no idea the thought that went into making a simple lunch for our four kids. I had no idea the work that went into just doing homework at the end of every school day and making sure that everybody has what they need the next day to the point where literally when she goes out of town, we are lucky enough and blessed enough to have for half the year both sets of grandparents in. I just schedule the grandmas, man. I'm like, I cannot do this. I need reinforcements. And they come in and they just take it over. But it's one of those things where so often we don't understand, especially us dudes, we don't understand all that goes into just taking care of one kid, let alone multiple kids. And so this is what I want to say, because I know my wife struggles with this. She feels unappreciated on a regular basis because nobody knows what she does. 
And she will, she will literally think about it all day, spend an hour, hour and a half, two hours on making a meal for us at dinner, and five of us will like it, and one of us won't. And if that one person pipes up and just says, I hate this meal, this is, the one I, I, this is horrible, how does she feel? Like it isn't even worth it. Like why do I go through so much effort trying to make a meal for this family? And she would never say that out loud very often. <laughs> but, uh, um, but it's one of those, it's just so easy to feel unappreciated. And so I just want to speak to you as a mom, but all of us in general. Um, I want you to know something about God. And this is what he says um, in scripture in Psalm 139. Um, um, it says, oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. I just want you to hear this from God. This is speaking to you. I want you to hear about God. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and, and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. And the writer of that psalm is just writing of the reality that God sees you right where you are. There's nothing that you do that goes unnoticed by him. He knows when you lay down at the end of the day exhausted, feeling like you didn't make a difference. He knows when you do the dishes, when you do the laundry. He knows when you are, are trying to have a, have a career and still getting the day's tasks done. Um, he knows when you sit at the heat in the heat at soccer games. He knows when you drive to baseball games. He knows when you worry about your kids' grades. He knows what you stay up at night worrying about in your friendships of your kids and the decisions that they have to make. Um, he knows all of that. He knows what you do that people forget. I will never forget my wife um, about, uh, I don't remember how many years ago, it must have been six or seven years ago, um, our kids have bunk beds. And uh, I remember um, in the middle of the night, Travis, who's our second, we have Garrett, our oldest, and then Travis, and we have two girls, younger girls. Um, but Travis came in, our second, he sleeps on the bottom bunk of the bunk bed. He comes in, opens the door, and he wakes up both Melissa and I, um, although I didn't move. Um, I don't know that she did either. But, uh, but he goes, Mom. Garrett threw up all over the bed. And like, in, I'm, I'm like a face and away from her, and I'm like, ooh, but I didn't make any noise. I'm like, <laughs> and then the second thing he says is, and it's dripping onto my bed. <laughs> and then I'm like going, ooh, you know, I'm doing that face in the bed. I'm not making any noise. And I start having thoughts in that moment. I still haven't moved a muscle, but you know what goes through your mind in that moment. You know, my first thought is, Man, I sure am glad that he addressed it to her instead of me, because now she has to answer him, right? He said mom first, and I know she heard him say mom first. And then the second thought I have, and I know some of you know that I'm missing my left leg. I don't wear this to bed, by the way. Um, and so I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm missing a leg, and I don't have my leg on. That means I got to go on crutches. She knows I can't go on crutches, right? She's just going to go do this thing, right? She's not going to make me put my leg on. So I'm still thinking that. And as I'm thinking my third thought, um, my third thought, which is, is literally don't move a muscle and pretend you're asleep and hope she gets up before she looks at you. Um, before I could even get that thought out of my head, I, you've never done that, right? You guys never done anything like that. I'm just going to assume you're better than me. Um, but uh, uh, before I could get that thought finished, I heard her. She goes, ugh, and gets up and is gone for 20 minutes and takes care of everything having to do with puke and dripping puke and nasty puke. And then comes back to bed and goes to sleep. Never makes me feel bad. Never accuses me of hearing it and not moving because I know she knows. <laughs> and she just took it. That's what moms do. 
and most of us don't even realize how much they do. And so I think this morning what some of you need to hear from God is I see you. I see you. I notice the little things that nobody else sees. And you put a smile on his face. Second thing that I believe God wants to say to us, all of us, specifically you moms, is this. I love you just as you are. I love you just as you are. As is, is a way of putting it. I love you as is. And I've said it before, and you're going to hear it from me a lot. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. I don't know if you know that. But there's nothing you can do to make God love you less than he already does. Not a single thing you can do, not a thought you can have, not a way you can treat somebody, not a failure that you could ever produce in your life that will make God love you less. You don't have to work for the love of God. It's one of the things I love about him is that it's not a, a scale where you got to measure up and you got to earn it and you got to be better than you are bad. And if you're just 51% good and 49% bad, he's going to love you. He just says, I love you as is. I love you just as you are. We find that throughout scripture. First is Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. It's one of those realities of life is we are all sinners. We're all, uh, we're, we're all dysfunctional. We all have issues. We all are in need of grace. And the Bible very clearly just says, look, we have all fallen short of God's standard of perfection. That's, that's the Bible's way of saying you're as is, by the way. You're imperfect, just like everybody else. Yet we're reminded throughout Scripture that even though you are as is, you are still loved. Romans 5, 6, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Just let that sink in. While we were still sinners doing our own thing, not acknowledging him as God, living our own lives, not living up to his standards, Christ died for us. That's past tense. I don't know if you heard that. That means he's already done it. He's already shown you how loved you are. You can't take that back. He's already said, you are worth my very life to pay for yours so that you could spend eternity with me. You are loved just as you are. So what have we said so far? What's the first thing we want people to, people to hear today? Is we said, um, I gotta go find it in my notes. First thing is I see you right where you are. Second thing is I love you just as you are. And before I give you the third one, um, I am going to and we are going to receive our offering. And so before we jump into this last one, um, ushers, go ahead and come forward. Because of the way we want to end the service, I want to do this now. Um, uh, for those of you that are new, I want you to let the basket go by. I literally just, this service is a gift to you. We're not interested in your money. This is our gift. We're excited that you're here. Um, ushers, you guys can go ahead and come on now. Um, and uh, for those of you that call Kensington home, 
This is, is where we give back to God from what he's blessed us with. And this really is a, an act of worship as well, of just saying, God, you've given us everything we have. We're going to now give a little bit back to you as a way of saying thank you. Um, so you guys can come on forward and, uh, and go ahead and do that. And while we're doing that, I want to give you the third thing that I believe that every mother needs to hear. And that is this, um, I believe in you. I believe in you because you are. And I don't know if you've, if you've um, heard that lately, but I want you to hear that from God. I believe in you because you are. This really has to do with our temptation to compare ourselves to other people. Um, and I'll just show of hands, how many of you have looked on Facebook, and honestly, if you're willing to admit this, you've looked on Facebook and you felt bad about yourself? Anybody? I'm not joking. I have. I have looked on Facebook and I've gone, man, my life is not very exciting or I'm really bad at what I do or I wish I could just get my act together so that I could experience it. I've been, I've been duped into thinking that way because we live in such a comparative society that I believe that what God wants to say to all of us in here is I believe in you because you are. And that's why I love it when people post the real life stuff. Um, so little of the time do we get the, the, the real life, we get the perfect life, right? We get the, here's my perfect life, my perfect house, my perfect kids. Um, Here's the little fancy things that my kids gave me for Mother's Day, and they're all beautiful and perfect, and everybody's dressed up right. And you can have a tendency to compare yourself when you see those pictures, especially online, and go, man, I'm not that. We're not that. I wish I was beautiful like that. So I love it when people post the real-life stuff. So i got to show you something that was posted this week by one of our moms here at Kensington. Um, she actually had to pick up one of her, pres her preschool son early from school, so her preschool son didn't get to fill out the little um, Mother's Day thing, the little questions that they give preschoolers about moms. And so her older two daughters, who are like elementary and middle school, her older two daughters actually got a hold of it and filled it out for him. And this is what they wrote for her for Mother's Day. My mom, my mom is as pretty as a moth. My mom is as nice as a bear being poked with a stick. My mom is as funny as a dead horse. My mom is as sweet as a lemon. My mom is as smart as a doorknob. And my mom is as cool as the sun. There you go. And they're like, what's the opposite of everything that's good? Mom. Like, that's what it is. That's what, but, but that's real life, right? I'm telling you what, if you listen to what's out there, you compare yourself to what's going on in other people's lives and don't realize that they're showing you the best they have, you will think less of yourself. You will compare and degrade yourself. Um, when in the reality is, that's real life, right? Like real life is not perfect. Real life is not pristine. Real life has bumps and bruises. And I just want to say to you, I want you to hear from God that he believes in you. He believes you have what it takes to do the job that he's given you to raise your kids his way. He believes in you enough to say, I chose you because you can do it. And we need to hear that sometimes. And I'll tell you, you find that in Scripture, and this is what I love about Scripture. Um, you've got this, uh, this, this response that God gives to a prophet named Jeremiah in the Old Testament. Jeremiah was feeling completely inadequate. God had said, Jeremiah, you heard him earlier, say, I have plans for you. I have a job for you. I dreamed it up before you were born. You're the guy that I'm choosing to do this. Well, Jeremiah catches wind of this, and he and God have this discussion where Jeremiah assesses himself... And says, I don't have the skills or the power or the ability to do what you're asking me to do, God. And so Jeremiah says in, in uh, chapter 1, 6 through 8, he says, but I said, hold it, Master God. Look at me. I don't know anything. 
I'm only a boy. He's just assessing himself and saying, I can't do this. And maybe you feel the same way this morning in whatever you're doing in your career. Maybe as a mom, you're saying, look at me, God, I don't know anything. I'm unable. I'm unworthy. I'm not, I'm not smart enough. I'm not like other moms. I'm not wise enough. I'm less than. I don't have what it takes. Jeremiah is saying that to God when God says, I have a plan for you, and I've had it since before you were born. Here is God's response, and I love this. God told me, don't say I'm only a boy. I'll tell you where to go and you'll go there. I'll tell you what to say, and you'll say it. Don't be afraid of a soul. Look at that. Don't be afraid of a soul. I'll be right there looking after you. God's decree. And I think where God responded to Jeremiah, I think he's also responding to you. And you know what he would say is, don't sell yourself short. I've chosen you. I'm with you. I will guide you. I will put the right words in your mouth at just the right time. Don't be afraid of your future. Don't be afraid of your kid's future. I'll look after you. I'll hear you and help you and give you what you need. And with me right there guiding you, you have what it takes. And I love that end, that God's decree. What is that saying from God? That's saying, I promise. I promise. I promise. I promise. You can do this. You have what it takes with his help. You're everything you need to be for your family. And I will just tell you, I don't think we can hear this enough. I have watched my wife for 16 years feel inadequate, feel less than, and struggle with feeling like she's up to the challenge. And if there was a way that I could just allow and speak into her soul the words that I believe only God can, that she is enough, that he believes in her and that with him she can do it, I wish I could, but it's something that we need to hear every day. And I'm just telling you, husbands, Kids, your moms need to hear this every day. They need to hear somewhere from you how much you love them, that you believe in them. They need to hear these words spoken, these phrases spoken, that you see all that they do. So let me pray for us, and then I want to read something over you moms, kind of a love letter from God for you. So let's pray. Um, Jesus, thank you for this morning. Just a morning to acknowledge the reality of the power of mothers and the impact they have on all of us. And Lord, I know while you're speaking to all of us in the room at all times, I know specifically you're speaking to moms in here and you're speaking directly to their heart, exactly what they need to hear. God, I pray that they would take your words to heart. That you would allow the truth of your word to seep into their souls. And God, I pray that you would whisper these words on a daily basis to each one of them, especially when the discouragement is at its peak. I pray that your encouragement would overpower and overshadow any discouragement. So Lord, I pray that today would be a day where all mothers everywhere feel absolutely valued and loved and accepted. And God, we thank you. We don't say it enough, but we thank you for putting them in our life and for choosing them to help us grow up and become the men and women that we are today. In your holy name, amen. So I want to read you um, a letter that was written today for you. For all of us, but for you moms specifically. And so I want to ask everybody in the room to close your eyes. If everybody would just close your eyes. And I want you to just hear this from God. It's a letter, it's a love letter from God to you. 
you are embraced with an overwhelming, never-ending love of God. He adores you. He constantly pursues you. No wall will stop him. No lie can keep him away. Your unbelief won't discourage him because his love is not human. You are a beautiful warrior. You fight for your family. You defend your children. You defend all children. You run to the helpless. You bring beauty to the fight. You plant flowers in the mud. You are lace among the grind. Your smile lights up the family room. Your laugh brightens the alleyways. You stand equal alongside the heads of the family, the heads of the neighborhood, the heads of the boardroom. Your power is not overshadowed by the powerful. You are powerful. You are strong. You bring light into the darkness. You transform every single room you walk into. And don't ever forget, God loves you. He adores you. He sings over you. You put a twinkle in his eye. He forgives you. You are forgiven, completely forgiven. He sees you. He knows you. He is with you. He will never, ever leave you. You are not alone. Don't ever believe you are alone. And you will finish strong. You will finish bruised. You will finish exhausted. But you will finish. You'll complete this race. And know this. Your kids will be okay. God's got them. They'll be okay. Your family will survive. You are changing the next generation. You are changing the world. One son and one daughter at a time. That's you. Happy Mother's Day. We're going to finish our service by singing a song together. Um, and so I'd love to ask you to stand up. And as you're standing, um, this song is about no, uh, it doesn't matter how difficult things get. God is right there with you. He's there to give us courage and everything else we need to do everything that he's called us to do. So let's sing this out together.